snuck it in on you. Didn't know y'all wouldn't have come. That's why we don't announce such things. First of the year, resolutions. Raise your hand if you're making resolutions. Wow, four, that's awesome. There's all kinds of ambition in this room. How many of you are not making any? Wow, well, slow down. Let's put the brakes on you there. Now, how many of you don't know what a resolution is? Uh, a handful, a lot not making a resolution at all. Hopefully we'll change some of that today as we focus on what God wants us to do, how he wants us to make some resolutions in our lives, some things that he wants to turn around. Because we get focused at the beginning of the year on what we want, how we want to change, how we want to improve, because we act like, we act like this is our life. And so I get to do what I want to because it's my life. Now I'm wired that way. That's kind of my whole deal. It's kind of control issues and authority issues and things along those lines. So I've always grew up thinking that this life was really mine. It was mine to do with what I wanted. Now, I need to do some good stuff too, but for the most part, I get to call the shots. And it's not that we don't have those freedoms, right? It's not that we don't have freedom of choice and the right to make decisions. But often we sit down and we decide how we want our life to look this year instead of deciding how's God want my life to look. You know, if God was to make my resolutions, if God was to make my goals, what would they look like? Would they be exactly the same as my list or would the list be different? Now, there'd be maybe some new things on the list that I've not paid attention to. Maybe spirituality would be deeper. And he may not be talking about being experiential spiritually. He may just simply be talking about living it and being active. Maybe my goal that God would have for me is for me to go out and actually serve and actually do something and to not just sit and listen. You know what I'm talking about? And maybe his goal for me would be to actually lose the weight that I promise every year. I'm the master at losing weight super quick, but I love gaining it. I've eaten for three months straight. It's been awesome. I'm very sad about cutting that out because I like to make goals that I can actually accomplish. And if we had a weight gain goal... I'd win every single time. How many of you could win the weight gain goal? Look at that. A lot of people in the same boat. Let's form a club. Maybe get together once a week for a gigantic meal. That would, then we would actually make the goal. That might actually be on God's list for me to lose this weight that I'm always talking about. Sometimes I wonder if he's like, you know, I'm tired of you talking. What's God want for us compared to what we want for us? Because sometimes we don't even really know what we're supposed to want. We don't. We don't always know that. Uh, Tim found that out. Uh, Papa Tim found that out this Christmas. Mom got him a panini grill. So mom tells us Christmas morning we're having breakfast. She said, I got Papa Tim a panini grill. Now we're going to go and look up and see what a panini is. (laughs) He was super surprised because he didn't even know he wanted it. (laughs) Pretty cool. Mom said he didn't even know he wanted it. So there's some things in our life maybe we don't even know that we want. Maybe we don't even know that we're supposed to want. And supposed to desire. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's look at this entire chapter this morning. Resolution basically means that I'm going to resolve. I'm going to do some things. I'm going to change some things. Hopefully through the power of the Spirit. Look at this from 2 Corinthians 5. Now we know that if earthly tent, this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 
Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we'll not be found naked. And while we are in this tent, we groan and we're burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, it's God who made us for this very purpose and has given us his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we're always confident. And we know that as long as we're at home in this body, we're away from the Lord. And we live by faith and not by sight. We're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from this body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we're at home or away. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in this body, whether good or bad. Since then we know what it is to face the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are, are trying to give you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we're out of our mind, it's for the sake of God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that he died, that one died once and for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, should no longer live for themselves, but for him. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So in your outline, the first word there is happy. Happy. I like being happy. I'm kind of geared toward that. It's kind of my bad wiring. Sometimes I'm supposed to be unhappy and I don't really get it. Nobody's actually told me that this is a bad moment. But the truth is that life itself is not guaranteed to be, to be happy. Because Paul writes and says that while we're in this tent, we groan. We groan because, not because it's weak and it's frail and some of us have health issues, some of us have mind issues, some of us just have issues that have not yet been categorized. But the point is that we've got an issue that's big that we're, we're away from home. And that's why we groan. And so nothing that we come up with resolution-wise, not losing the weight, not even bettering our relationships, is going to give us that feeling of everything is okay because we're not designed to be here. And so we always have that longing, we always have that groaning, and we always have that emptiness because we know that we're not exactly where we're supposed to be. Any of us who travel know what it's like to be away from home. And even Dorothy, the wonderful Wizard of Oz, said, there's, there's no place like home. There's not. There's no place like home. So God says, if you realize that there's no place like home, your happiness has to be geared in some other things. It can't be geared in whether or not you made the goal or if you escaped the donut or if you actually said the good word that you said you were going to say, if you wrote the thank you note, or if you showed up at the soup kitchen. Those are all extensions of realizing what it's like to be home and living at home. So he lists several things. Verse, the anchor verse really in this passage to me is, is verse 9 in that first section. We make it our goal to please him. 
Our goal is to please him. Our goal is not to please ourselves. The goal is not to sit down and say, what's going to make Paul Evans happy? I can come up with that list super easy. But are those things going to make God happy? We make it our goal, our aim to please him. So this groaning is not as loud. And when he makes his list of things that are pleasing to God in this passage, of things that our hearts should be aligned to, it's not about stuff. It's not about things. It's not even about a report of what's happening in the kingdom in that day. You don't see Paul saying, hey, good news. Good news. Stonings are down in Lystra. Down by 33% this quarter, stonings are down. Be happy, rejoice. Hey, good news. Rome is doing away with the cross. Different style of execution. It's not as bad. Be happy. He doesn't align with any of that. He doesn't say that here's some physical things that are going to guarantee that you're going to have a good day. He doesn't even tell his folks, hey, guess what? Persecution is going to be on the decrease this next year. Be in a good mood. But instead, he says things like this. Number one, if you're making a list on the word happy, he says to be clothed. To be clothed with your home. To not be clothed with this, that this isn't how we measure it. That we don't look in the mirror and say, okay, that looks good enough, I can go out in public. But he says, know that your clothing is supposed to be based on the heavenly attire. In Galatians 3.27, he says to clothe yourself with Christ. And so what we put on is that we put on Christ for our happiness, for this hopefully next year in life. Secondly, he says your purpose That God has put this purpose within you to live in a way that displays where you truly belong. Mom used to tell me when I'd leave the house, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Why? Because when I was away from the house, I didn't just reflect Paul Evans. I reflected the house. Reflect mama. When a kid is in the grocery store letting it rip... We don't always go, that's poor baby, poor kid. We go, hmm, that mom ain't got that kid under control. How many of you have thought that? Be honest. Look at all these hands. That's more than the folks who set goals in this room. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm a little disturbed. Why? We judge the parent. We judge the parent. God says, be clothed and have a purpose. Because when you're out in public, you are representing your home. People are looking at you and it represents me. So if you want to be happy, make sure your goal is to please me. Dress right when you go out. Have the right purpose when you go out. Third, he says, I've given you the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing so that you know whose you are. So that you know where your home is. So there's evidence of who you belong to. Paul even says that God sees who we are and he recognizes us clearly. And he says, I hope that you have the same confidence as well. Big issue in our lives is that we're, we're completely insecure, most of us. And not just our talents, not our abilities. We're insecure in, in Christ. We've often said in our fellowship, uh, like our, uh, the Baptist would talk about eternal security and we'd talk about eternal insecurity i mean as a group that we were many of us were raised with the the fear of any moment being lost but when i was away from home and i did something wrong as a kid i never thought i can't go back i did think i hope she doesn't find out but i never thought i can't go back and god wants us to know that we can come back because of who we are 
and who we are in him and where our home is. And so we're happy. Again, not because of stuff, but because of him. Fourth, he, he talks about living for Christ, to live in him. Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So Paul says, whether we're at home in this tent and away from our true home, or we finally make it to that true home, regardless, we're supposed to be alive for him. We're supposed to be representing him. It's supposed to be obvious who we belong to. And then he also says that we're walking by faith and not by sight. That we go in for the unseen. That everything doesn't always add up and everything doesn't always make sense and everything isn't always clear, but we continue to take the steps necessary. In James 2 and verse 18, he says, you say that you have deeds but have no works. Show me your faith or you have faith but have no works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Because there's evidence of who we belong to. There's evidence of our home, regardless of our situation. There's evidence of whose we are, even if we don't make these physical resolutions that we come up with. But we've got to be smart about it. And we've got to be wise about it. Uh, a buddy of mine, Craig Ballantyne, is into fitness. He's like, like ripped. Now, back in the days, early 90s, when I was actually exercising regularly, we called this being ripped to the gills. It means like you were strided and you had like veins. I couldn't even go in and give blood right now. They'd have to go on a, like some sort of search with some sort of like uh, x-ray tool to find anything on me. But, but Craig, he is just ripped to the core. Well, he did a video on YouTube, and you can actually look this up if you want to, where he's on a treadmill for three minutes. And there's a guy next to the treadmill that's eating pizza for three minutes. No, it's not me. But there's a guy next door, sits standing there, and they're going to figure out if you can outrun a bad diet. Can you outrun a bad diet? So in three minutes, Craig runs, and he's booking it too. He's just like flying, and he burns about 40 calories. Meanwhile, pizza guy eats 800 calories. And Craig says you can't outrun a bad diet. Hey, we can't outrun bad morals. We can't outrun a bad value system. We can't outrun not getting in the word. We can't outrun a non-existent prayer life. We can't outrun deciding that we're not going to be part of a family and rely on each other. We can't outrun that. It can't be done. We can't say I'm going to be close to the Lord, but I'm not going to do anything for the relationship. It can't be done. You can't outrun things along those lines. It's like yesterday morning, uh, John Owen and I met at Chappie's Deli to talk about our goals. And I, I was going to do good. I was really had it in my head that I was starting before the first with this eating right business or right-er. Let me say right-er, not necessarily right, but right-er. So I'm sitting there and it says this good for you menu and they've got an egg white delight on there. And it's got egg whites and low-fat mozzarella cheese and turkey sausage, which I don't, I don't think that can actually exist, but they've got that. Turkey sausage and some sort of multi-grain, thin flatbread. And so that's healthy. So I ordered that. What I didn't know is that it comes with grits. And what I didn't know too is John ordered his grits. What I didn't know is that grits can have cheese and bacon in them. And so I heard that. And so I said, 
I don't want my grits to be lonely. So I said, I will take, I will take some bacon. And she said, do you want cheese in that? I said, no. But in a moment of weakness and I caved, I said, I'll take double bacon. So she put double bacon in my grits, which I'm pretty sure as I was consuming them, I was supposed to have them because I started singing. We sang shout hallelujah this morning. I sang it in Chappies yesterday as I ate those double bacon grits. Well, then my sandwich came, my healthy sandwich, and the ladies put it down. And it turns out that they didn't put turkey sausage on there. They accidentally put bacon. And she said, I'm so sorry. I got your order wrong. I'll take it back. I said, don't you touch that plate. Did you take away a blessing? Yes, I consumed it all. I consumed the bacon laden egg white delight and I consumed the grits and the double bacon. You can't outrun a bad diet. And I didn't run any yesterday. (laughs) Thus, I'm in this condition. So we look at our spiritual life and our spiritual goals and we're wondering why in the world is it like this? We need to be looking at our actions. We need to be looking and seeing if we're trying to outrun. So maybe over the next week, if you don't change anything yet, why don't we make a list of what we watch? See if we're trying to outrun some bad media. Why don't we keep a list of who we hang out with? See if we're trying to outrun some bad friends. Why don't we keep a list of things and actions that we take and see if we're trying to outrun a bad lifestyle? Maybe we keep a list of things that we say and maybe we're trying to outrun some bad language. It can't be done. And as long as we're expecting that result that isn't equal to any of the actions that we're taking, we're not going to be happy because it's not really our goal to please him. So it begins really in this next section. Let's look at 16 through 19. He says, so from now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled to the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. So he says, the old is gone, the new has come. If we're going to have a happy new you, we've got to become new. We've got to be willing to get rid of and accept the getting rid of the old stuff. And that's not always easy because we kind of like keeping hold of the old because it makes us feel bad and feel guilty and feel rough and feel like... We're not worthy, and that gives us an excuse to do more bad stuff since we're already unworthy. But instead, to accept newness. And the truth is, people say that we like new and improved. The truth is, we just really like new. Improved is okay, but we really like new. For example, let's say that my car needs some work. Anybody in here needs some car repairs? Yeah, lots of y'all. Need some, I need, my car needs some work. Now, let's say that this morning... I said, make a list of everything that your car needs worked on. Maybe you need a new paint job, you need some new tires, and you need some new fan belts and such. And you're going to get all of that done. That's option one. Option number two is that I give you a brand new car and you don't have to get anything repaired. And it's not going to cost you a dime out of pocket. And in fact, you can choose whatever car that you want. It doesn't matter how luxurious. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, uh, it's still brand new, but 
times of ancient past, you go. It can be anything that you want. How many of you would rather have the new car than simply repairing your current car? Look at all those hands. We want new. We want new, not simply repair. And so with God, sometimes we think that we're coming to him and we're getting repaired. He's going to repair us. He's going to make me a little bit better. He's going to make me a little bit sharper in him. He's going to make me sin a little bit less. But his promise is not to improve us. His promise is not to repair us. His promise is to renew us. To make us brand new. As we huddled around the tree this year, most of us gave away new stuff. Best Buy and Walmart and Target, they were hoping we were thinking new. But if we re-gifted and we found something in the pantry and we just wrapped it up and gave it away, the other folks would be like, you did not try very hard. God tried hard. So hard that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He said, I'm not doing a re-gift, I'm doing a renew. I'm making you completely new. The old is gone. What it literally means is that it cannot be located again. It's gone. It's not going to be brought up again. It's not going to resurface. There's no ghosts of Christmas past. There's none of that. It's been annihilated. It's been taken away so that we can become brand new. He says there's a reason for this, though. It's not simply so that you'll be happy. So you'll feel good about where you are spiritually. But he says, I want to make you happy and I want to make you new and I want to make you you so that you'll bring other people into this same relationship. Look at verse 20 and 21. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. As though Christ were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He said, I I want you to be happy. I want you to be new because I want you to be you. I want you to be an ambassador. I want you to go out with this message of happiness. And I want you to go out with this message of newness. And I want you to go out putting yourself on display. You're the ambassador. You don't point to somebody else's life and say, look what God has done for them. You say, look what God's done for me. And again, this isn't a list. It's not a list of, look at what stuff God's given me. And look how blessed I am. And look how many things I have because I'm in a relationship with the Lord. And look how I'm prosperous because I'm in a relationship with the Lord. Look how I'm peaceful because I'm in a relationship with the Lord. Look how I'm joyful Look how I love, look how I'm gentle, kind, good, faithful, self-controlled. Look at those things. Pretty tough. He says, I want that to be on display. I want it to be on display so that people see you. They see me and they say, I want to be that way want to be like that it's pretty tough so resolution you bet but it begins with reconciliation it begins by saying god i want to make sure that i'm right with you first 
I want to make sure that I'm the person that you want me to be, who you designed me to be. And it's going to be different for each one of us in certain ways, obviously. It'll look different. It'll be on display different. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship. God's workmanship created in Christ for good works. And so for each of us, that display is going to be a little bit different, right? It's okay. We don't have to look the same. But we all have the exact same goal. And that's Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Let your lights show shine before men, that they see your good works and they glorify your Father who is in heaven, where our home is, what clothes we wear, the purpose that we have, the Holy Spirit that guarantees it for us, the faith-filled life that we live in Christ is on display. So we reconcile. Maybe that's where we need to begin this morning. I think all of us probably have an area that we need to reconcile. Um, You can all come forward if you want. It'll be the biggest response ever. We can fill that out and give it to Buddy and see what he can do with it. But I think regardless, what we need to do is we need to pray. And we need to ask God to search us. At the end of Psalm 139, David wrote, Oh Lord, you search me and know me. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So let's begin there. Then after we pray, uh, we'll just have a brief invitation for anyone who wants to come. But let's begin by praying together. Father, we ask that you would search us. And we ask that you, the way that you already do know us, that you would find if there's anything offensive in us, anything in our life that is not your goal, anything in our life that is not your resolution. Father, we ask that you would bring that to our mind right now. Bring to our mind the things that don't please you. Father, right now we ask for forgiveness. We ask that you would forgive us for these things that you've revealed in our life that aren't what you want. Father, we pray to be reconciled to you. We pray that the cracks in our relationship with you will be restored, that we will be renewed, that we'll be yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. We say together, amen. Because when we're who God wants us to be and we're reconciled to him, then we become new. And then we become happy. And then we go out and we're on display. Maybe you have a need this morning that you want to share with this body. And you want to say, I want to go on record. I want everybody to know that I'm reconciling with my Lord today, that I'm entering this year brand new. And maybe you've never called on Jesus Christ as your Savior before, and you want to become a brand new creation this morning. There's nothing this church would rather experience, but more importantly, there's nothing that God would not love more than be reconciled with you.